0: Mic came out. All right. Wow, we got a good crowd today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather once again to be able to study your word. Be with us as we open the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm told of a story. Don't know if it's true, but if it is, pretty cool. Good uh, story lesson. Ronald Reagan, when he was a young lad, his aunt took him to a cobbler. And I'm not gonna lie, when I first heard the term cobbler, I thought it meant peach cobbler, apple cobbler. Anybody have that same experience? Okay, it's just me. All right. I feel worse about myself. Cobbler, for those of you who don't know, uh, what's another word for cobbler? Shoemaker, right? So his aunt takes him to this shoemaker, cobbler, and uh, he asks him, do you want round toes or do you want square toes? And little Ronald Reagan, he couldn't decide. Round toes, square toes. So the cobbler said, tell you what, come back in a couple days and let me know, all right? So they're out, actually the cobbler runs into Ronald Reagan out on the street uh, a couple days later. He says, hey, I still haven't finished your shoes. Do you want round toes or do you want square toes? And Ronald, he just, he was very indecisive still. He's like, dude, I don't don't know. So the cobbler said, okay, fine. Tell you what, Um, your shoes will be ready in a couple days. Just come by then, okay? So Ronald goes to Cobbler's shop. <laughs> when he sees his shoes, one shoe had round toes, and the other shoe had square toes. <laughs> to which the cobbler gave him some uh, wise advice: Never let people make decisions for you. Right then and there, if you don't make decisions, somebody will make decisions for you, and they may not be in the best. Uh, to your best advantage. Amen? Amen. Because poor little Ronald Reagan had to wear square toes and round toes. (sighs) Such is life. Decisions. We all make decisions. And how we respond to those decisions reflects who we are. In fact, Jesus, many times he ran into conflict Uh, from the very beginning of his ministry to the end of his ministry. Jesus was constantly at odds with uh, the Jewish leadership and even the devil himself. There was even conflict amongst the disciples. They also had to make decisions. And as you look through the Gospels, you can find many examples of how they probably should have chosen better. One person I can think of especially is Peter. So as we go, let's go to Matthew 4. Let's open up with Matthew 4. Going to go to a story, don't always look to, but we find that this is just before Jesus begins his ministry, it's he's basically being prepared, he's just been baptized, and after he's been baptized, in verse 1, it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was what? He was hungry. After 40 days, I'm pretty sure I'd be hungry too. Amen? And the tempter came to him and he said, if you are the son of God, tell those stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it's written, every man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, don't put the Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will what? Bow down down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. So interesting story. There's a couple lessons we can take from this. What's consistent about this story? Okay, the devil knows scriptures. Okay, good point. What else? It's what? Okay, temptation. How does Jesus respond? with scripture, right? And not only that, so the devil's smart. He preys on Jesus' physical needs of after 40 days, I would probably be starving, right? Because it doesn't say that he has eaten before. It only eats and is taken care of after this experience. Any of you ever been hangry before? <laughs> you can ask my wife. She can validate that I get hangry every once in a while. <laughs> If we get hungry, we sometimes get cranky. Ever made a bad decision when you're hangry? I have, unfortunately. But yet, has Jesus ever... I'm sorry, Jesus himself experienced this. The was, devil was trying to tempt him. He says, no, in fact... It says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then he tries to tempt him again. And and, uh, I think, was it, Gustavo, you pointed out that the devil knows scripture. In fact, he's quoting Psalm 91, one of my favorite psalms. I didn't even realize this until the last time I, I studied this. But the devil, he twists it a little, right? Tries to make it his point. Now, look. Jesus could have thrown himself off. He could have made stones into bread. Could have. But that wasn't the point here. And so one of the things that we have to be mindful of, sometimes we try maybe also to try to justify our decision-making. Sometimes we want to make it to our benefit, yet it's not what God wants us to do, right? And then the third time where, uh, oh, sorry, the second time, they also, they, they're, they're, pro- they're most likely they're in Jerusalem, and they're standing on the Temple of the Pinnacle, all right? And then the third time, uh, they go onto a mountain, and all the devil says, hey, all you have to do is just worship me. That's all you got to do. Just kneel down and everything is yours. And what I don't get, especially in the devil's mind, is that God is the God of what? Everything, right? Including earth. God already owns earth. And yet the devil thinks that he could trick Jesus. Jesus response away. um, It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Three times Jesus says, it is written, it is written, it is written. Also playing out here too, there's, a, there's a, <laughs> a fundamental belief that we have here in the Adventist church is that of the great controversy. If somebody could easily sum up the great controversy, what is it? War good and evil. Okay, the battle or the war between good and evil. Now, let's be honest. Have you ever had bad thoughts? <laughs> we have, right? I'm sure we also, we have plenty of good thoughts, too. Is it easier to think of good thoughts or bad thoughts? Or actually, let's just say, is it easier to remember, remember good thoughts or bad thoughts? Bad thoughts, right? Especially if maybe we've experienced something hard or maybe we've been wronged. It's easy to think and focus on the bad parts. So the devil manipulates scripture. And the devil tries to soak Jesus, stoke Jesus's pride and ego. But the thing is, Jesus is probably the most humble person ever. Ego was not at play. <clears throat> and just like Jesus as well, we also, times were tempted, we have to deal with challenges, we all have to make decisions. In fact, decisions are a key theme in the book of Matthew. Another uh, area that we could talk about decisions is let's go to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. This is a very famous passage that uh, we've all read, for the mo- I'm sure, or many of us at least, Matthew 7, verse 13. All right, are we there? Okay. Enter through the what? The narrow gate. gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only... A few find it. Now, we're, based, we're in Los Angeles County and basically Southern California. We have freeways, some of them usually on average, three to four lanes on each side. Yet there are other freeways that sometimes have six. In fact, what's the widest freeway that you can think of? 405? How wide is it? Is it eight lanes each side? Six, 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 and the 405 is known for traffic and speeding, okay? And people in Southern California are trying to get to places. Now, last month, I was driving in Arizona, and I went to go visit a friend. And so from the 10 freeway, I went through Wickenburg, and I had to take this small highway, I don't remember the name of it, up to the 40. And it was two lanes, one side each. And, you know, you could, you could get by pretty quick, unless there was what? A truck. And then all of a sudden, instead of going 65, you're going 45. And I was driving in a, a fast car. And I wanted to go 65, not 45. (laughs) And yet, even though it was slow, eventually the truck would pull over. I would be able to go on. I didn't have as many options. But I knew that if I drove well, I could be safe. 405, unfortunately. In fact, whenever you listen to traffic reports, usually the 405 is usually in there somewhere, right? And in life, we all have decisions to make thing that we sometimes don't realize, and I didn't realize this until later in life is that whether you follow the the wide path, or the small path, they can both at times be difficult, and sometimes they can be painful. We don't like to admit that we think Oh, yeah, if we just small follow the small path, you know, everything's gonna be gravy. It's gonna be fine. The wide path, as it says, leads to destruction. Are there ways we can find destructive patterns and ways to ruin our life today? <laughs> Absolutely. There's so many options that are out there, right? And yet, to follow the country road, that small path, to do the right thing, to live with integrity, to live with love and empathy, especially when people are not loving, they're prickly or you have to make decisions that you know are going to maybe have to um, cut your budget um, when we have to scale things back. Or maybe we realize we've made bad decisions and now we want to make a new start in life. Requires that we, we give up certain things about us that we recognize that are destructive. And sometimes those things don't just go away, amen? They don't, they just, they want to hang around. Sometimes it means letting go of certain people in your life, because if you're around them, they could cause you to go down that bad road. These are just some examples, okay? I'm trying to be general here. But both paths at times can be difficult and painful. The one good thing about, following the small pathos, when when you do what's right to live uh, an honorable life, to live with love and empathy, you can at least sleep on your bed at night with a clean conscience. Yet, wide is the gate, and broad is its destruction. Comfortable, making decisions. Brian Sen, anybody know who Brian Sen is? Most of you probably don't. He was a New York firefighter on 9-11. They got the call. I don't remember which engine company he was on. But they got the call, and they started heading towards uh, the buildings. And when they were coming up, they were amazed at everything. People were trying to run away. And they entered initially the first building, and they realized, hey, you need to go to the other one. And as they were heading towards the other building, trying to find a different way, he saw a man with a phone. He says, please, can I use your phone real quick? He took his phone. He calls his wife, and he says, she asks him, are you there? And he says, yes, I'm here. <laughs> can you imagine telling your spouse, I don't know if I don't, we're probably not going to make it. And yet still making that decision to go anyways. That's love. That's commitment. And afterwards, he hung up. And he still went. What's notable about Brian is he was buried twice. And yet he's still here today. What amazing story. But not all of his friends made it out. In fact, over 400, in addition to the thousands of those who innocently lost their lives, over 400 first responders lost their lives. Firefighters, police officers, paramedics, and even a chaplain. Different units. It wasn't just New York fire. It wasn't just New York PD. It was a harbor um, Harbor fire different people. And not only that, what I didn't realize, uh, I didn't find out until later was, there was, um, I forget the name of the association, but good people, captains, people who were on boats, hundreds of boats who came in, and literally evacuated the many, many thousands, if not millions of people on that island to safety. There was no huge command structure. They just did it and they got it done because they felt this was the right thing to do. Sometimes our decisions have strong consequences. How we live. 9-11 in many ways was for me, um, I think a loss of innocence, vulnerability. And, and like you said, Gustavo, man, I, I can't think of a time where we were more united And I'm challenged and troubled 20 years later to the day where we are so divided. Yet it is possible if we can have compassion, if we can love and especially if we can listen. There is other aspects here in the Gospel of Matthew where it talks about uh, decisions. In fact, uh, Matthew 7, Matthew 7, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on a what? A rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a crash. The decisions we make sets a foundation for our life. In fact, I I may have told this story if I did, sorry, but it's actually a good story. There, There was a home builder, uh, one of his guys was about to retire in, in a few months, and he said, hey, I want you to take on this project. And the guy really didn't want to do it, but he thought, okay, I got a couple of months, I can help oversee this build. And so they, they started the build, they laid the foundation. And before they were going to put the frame up, he realized the concrete was just a little bit off. He thought to himself, you know what, I'm retiring it won't matter. The frame goes up. and I'm sure you can guess where this is going. He started to cut corners here and there. In fact, it wasn't just a foundation, the concrete foundation, even even the, the, the structure itself. You know, he, he kind of was not as uh, he, he, he didn't do his job like he should have. He cut corners. And so after I don't know, like it was like four to six months, he had to extend it a couple of a uh, couple of months where he you know to retire. And I said, "Look, I, the house is basically done. I'm I want to go off. I want to retire." And so the home, uh, the home, uh, the CEO says, "Great, wonderful," and he hands him a key. And he said, what's this key for? It was the house that you just built. It's for you. For many years of service you've done for me, I want to give you this house. And in this, the guy's heart, he's like, he realized how every step he could have done better, and he realized he's going to have to deal with those issues. Right? So foundation. You know, When it comes to building a strong foundation, influence. Make good decisions on a strong foundation. We make poor decisions, (laughs) house is going to fall apart. Ever try to build a sandcastle at the beach? It is inevitable that that sandcastle, especially if you build it near the water, is going to fall apart, right? Or somebody else is just going to come over and ruin it for you change. Making change in our lives, sometimes it starts small. In fact, when we want to make changes in our lives, sometimes we maybe we try to build up, we try to bite off and eat the apple all at once and realize you got to eat it bit by bit. So if we continue on in, in Matthew 13, sorry, the choices and decisions we make build a solid or shaky foundation. Matthew 13, Jesus talks in parables. And parables are great because he uses parables. uh, He he actually, in Matthew 13, there's kind of a departure where he realizes that he's not going to make sense to the leadership of the the Jewish, Jewish nation at this point, right? Pharisees and scribes, they're just giving him too much grief. So now, He's going to start ministering, especially intentionally to everybody. And he starts to use these parables. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like that. And uh, in one particular, he he says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And is a mustard seed like really small or is it really big? It's really small, right? Most of us know this parable and that this small little mustard seed can create this huge, huge tree. All right. so the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds can go and rest and sit on it, right? He also goes on, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And what does yeast do? helps to expand and fluff up, right? Without it, your dough's not going to turn out the way that you want it to. It's not going to be good bread. And Jesus spoke all of these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without a parable. So was fulfilled, spoken through the prophet. It was actually predicted that Jesus would use parables. It says, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So Jesus, he had to switch how he was going to minister to his people. So he uses parables. And and so parables are great, because obviously, they're good ways to be able to relate things to the people, and they could use it easily. And he used examples that everybody could relate to. But it also caused them to ask questions to seek truth. And sometimes even these individuals They didn't even realize what Jesus was doing. And sometimes even for the disciples, it may take a couple months or maybe even a couple of years before they finally got it. In fact, sometimes they would just say, Jesus, we don't get what you're trying to say here. Please explain it to us. Now, what do these parables mean? When you look at Jesus life, when Jesus was on the cross, in the minds of the disciples and the people standing there, was Jesus' ministry here on earth success or failure? According to them, it would be failure. Jesus is supposed to be the Messiah. He's supposed to be the king of the world. He's supposed to overthrow the Romans. He's on a cross. In the minds of the disciples, In fact, the disciples, where were they? Majority of them, they ran away. Mary and even John, I think John was probably the only one who was close to the disciples. Everywhere off, if they were looking, they were looking from afar because they didn't want to be known and associated with somebody who was hanging on a cross. In their eyes, Jesus failed yet it was the catalyst to rebirth, to conquer death, salvation. Something so small has huge consequences for us all. Amen. 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 Just like the little mustard seed and like the little yeast. And you look at the example where after Jesus left, the gospel spreads like wildfire all around the world, to now where there are billions of Christians around the world. Something so small could be so big. Decisions. The final, the final passage I would like to look at when it talks about decisions is that of Matthew 26. Let's go to Matthew 26. Another famous story Matthew 26, verse 26. I'm sorry, 36. There's a typo, my bad. Verse 36, that would be a lot of scripture to read. (laughs) Matthew uh, Matthew 26, verse 36. All right, are we all there? Okay. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called where? Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. All right, here again, you know, we talked about discipleship last week, Jesus, he's continuing this mentoring. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples, and he found them what? Sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, just one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. He went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I struggle, unless, until, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. He, so he left them and went away once more and he prayed a third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. You know, what's interesting here is there's three times that Jesus prays. When there's something important in your life, do you just pray once or do you sometimes pray multiple times? Pray a lot, right? And even Jesus, on the night that he's going to be taken in, can you imagine the struggle that's going through his heart and his mind? Even he was challenged. And yet it wasn't about him because, as it says, not my will but yours be done. Not what I want, but help me God to be faithful until the end. This is a lesson I think that we all can learn from Jesus. Not my will, but yours be done. And it doesn't exempt us from hardship, but yet God is with us. And that's the thing that we sometimes forget, especially when we're in the shadow, in the valley where it's dark and we can't always see things. We sometimes think we're by ourselves. But the truth is, God is with us. So what are some things that we can take from these passages? Well, that are not. In every major decision that you make, pray about it. Pray about every major decision you make. And as well, don't make bad decisions. Don't make decisions when you're feeling very upset. Amen? Don't make bad decisions when you're feeling vulnerable and you're feeling upset. Sometimes, you just, maybe you just have to pray, just wait, wait until you're feeling a little bit better, and then you can think more clearly. And just as Jesus did in the very beginning, remember and use Scripture as a guiding light. You know, when Jesus quotes Scripture, he's quoting Deuteronomy, chapters eight, and I think it's chapters chapter six, as well. That's why it's important, kids, we should know Scripture. And that when we come with challenges, we can remember and what what Scripture says we should do. So remember and use Scriptures as a guiding light. But look at your options, and if you can, if this is an option, get wisdom, get guidance, seek wisdom. Because there are other people who've been in the journey, sometimes we think that I'm the only person in the situation. And the truth of the matter is, there are many other people, I'm sure, that have struggled, who have experienced, and can be able to relate and look at the different options. But when you looked at your options, decide what path to take. And when you've made your decision, take action. Don't wait, go do. And throughout life, you're going to make good decisions. And you're probably also going to make decisions that you're going to look back and reflect, I probably could have chosen better. And with those areas that you think you maybe could improve, Learn from your achievements, but also learn from your failures. The most successful people were probably had more opportunities to learn more than they had in achievements. I think was it was Edison who said, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I've just learned 10,000 ways to not do it this way, right? But learn from your achievements and learn from your failures. In fact, I think it's, uh, well, I don't want to misquote it. I'll, I'll use it another time. May you look to the example of Jesus, where he used scripture, he prayed, and he had people around him, he surrounded him, even though they fell asleep. Can you imagine being Jesus in Gethsemane, feeling tired and alone, and the weight of the world literally on your shoulders? Yet, that's why we have church. It's why we have a community here. And, and not just your church, but find other people. Maybe you have a specific, um, you work in a specific field. Find a mentor, uh, whatever it may be, and learn and grow from them and find, and find ways to be able to ask and say, hey, I don't quite understand this, or I'm having an issue. Sometimes even just talking about it, expressing it helps you find the answers. And when we can admit sometimes, you know what, I don't know everything, that's okay. In fact, the best leaders don't know everything, but they find people who do. So, my friends, brothers and sisters, may you go forth and make great decisions. Follow the example of Jesus. Know that you are not alone, and may God be with you. Father in heaven, Lord, every day, today... (laughs) When we leave this church, we're going to make decisions on how to get home. Uh, We're going to make decisions on what we're going to eat. Uh, We're going to make decisions about our future, Lord. We pray that you will give us wisdom and guidance. And may we follow your example of to know scripture, Lord, and apply it where we can when we make decisions. And and God as well, help us to be faithful. As we read through Matthew, uh, Lord, make these things, these themes come alive to us that we may understand uh, the the big picture of what you want us to learn, and that as well, Lord, help us to be faithful, help us to be loving, kind, just as you were, and to uh, fulfill the calling of being ambassadors for you in Downey and wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace, everybody. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.